0: And it is deeper discipleship that Jesus calls us to. It's not about just the love of Jesus. It's about our love for Christ and changing our life to glorify Him in all things and in all ways. So we're still in this section of Matthew where Jesus is calling them to a deeper discipleship as we look to Matthew chapter 18. And as it was last time, Peter uh, looks a little foolish Again, or so it seems as he's learning, and it seems like Peter's often used as an example of what not to do, uh, or what not to believe, but there's another interchange here between Jesus and Peter. We're looking at Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Peter came up to him and said, "Lord, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? The master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me, and should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my Heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Heavenly Father, your challenging word has been spoken to us. Now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, apply it to our hearts and lives that we might be forever changed. May we see clearly, and may we live abundantly the life you call us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Peter asked this question because Jesus, just in the previous verses, Jesus was giving instructions to the disciples on how to uh, confront a brother or a sister in the church if they sin against you. and. Maybe you're familiar with it. You go and speak to that brother or sister, and if they do not listen, take one or two of your brothers or sisters from the church along with you that, that have charge over that individual. And, and if, they don't wit, if they don't listen to them, take it to the church community. I remember hearing Jim Simbla preach from this passage uh, many years ago when uh, my wife and I attended an afternoon service at Brooklyn Tabernacle. And Jim Simbla, Pastor Simbla made a good point. He says, now when Jesus tells us to take one or two of fellow believers with you to the person who wronged you, that does not mean you take Mama mamacita. Is the way he said it. It doesn't mean you take your mother or your father. They may not see things objectively. They may maybe uh, be on your side of things. It's not objective. But that's why we have a church community. You take a brother or sister in Christ that's in the same church community. You take them with you to confront that brother or sister that has harmed you or sinned against you. And so Jesus has just talked about what it looks like to deal with sin in the community. A community aspect. But our individual sin affects the whole community as well. I know we often think that what I do with my body or the way that I live doesn't affect or harm anyone else, and that is not true. As Christians, we are called to be in community, and what we do affects the entire community. So now Peter hears how Jesus describes what is to take place in the community context. and then So Peter's thinking individually now. Alright, Lord, if someone sins against me, how often should I forgive? Seven times? Now Peter's being very gracious here. Because Jewish law would say that you should forgive three times. You should forgive three times. Historically, traditionally, in the faith, that is what it was taught. You can forgive three times, but if they keep sinning against you on the fourth time, no need to forgive. So Peter's under the impression now as he asks Jesus this question, he's being so gracious and he's being so kind and so loving. Jesus, how often should I forgive? Seven times. I can forgive seven times. And then Jesus responds, no, not not seven times. Seventy times. Seven. Now Jesus is not saying forgive 490 times. He's saying don't keep track. Don't try to calculate how often you need to forgive a person. How often you need to forgive a brother or sister in Christ because Peter is talking about the church community still. It's not about a number keeping track. Jesus saying that the numbers don't matter. We must keep on forgiving. Remember, we're being called to deeper discipleship here. Jesus does not want to leave us where we are. He wants to continually transform us into His image. And He has forgiven us so much, so much, that we are now called to forgive others as well. Now, it's really important that I make a point here. Forgiving over and over again does not mean you have to stay in abusive situations. Forgiving someone who has harmed you over and over and over again does not mean you need to stay in that abuse, does not mean you need to continue to take that type of ridicule, that type of pain. You can bounce out of there right away. Sorry to sound like I'm from 1988. Especially with that punk comment earlier. Does anyone even say punk anymore? I don't even know. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Sidney. Jesus is not saying you can allow yourself to continually be taken advantage of. That's not what Jesus is saying. All too often, maybe some of you have heard it, I, I should leave my spouse, but uh, Jesus says I'm supposed to forgive and love, and though there is abuse in the marriage, I must stay. No, 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 no. Amen. Jesus wants you up out of there. Amen. Amen. Jesus cares for you and loves you and wants to keep you safe. And you should not have to be in situations where you are not safe, Where you could be harmed physically. But that doesn't mean Jesus isn't saying you still need to forgive that individual. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like. So remember, we're called to a deeper discipleship. We're now citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And if we're followers of Christ, we're citizens of God's kingdom. So now we are supposed to follow the guidelines if you will, of what it means to live as a citizen in God's kingdom. So Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like. And it had me thinking that we really should do a series, if if I ever get around to it, on what does it mean, or look at all the sayings where Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like. Because when he says the kingdom of heaven is like, he's telling you, this is how you are to live. Anytime you read in scripture, the kingdom of heaven is like pay attention because he's clearly saying this is how i want you to live if you want to be my follower if you want to be my disciple if you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven this is how you to live this is how you are to live and so he tells this story this this parable if you will of this servant who owed a great debt a servant who owed a very great debt and this kingdom living that jesus is calling us to by sharing this pal- parable <laughs> I don't know about you, but I think it's one of the most challenging. To live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, everything is reversed. Everything's reversed. The the last shall be first. It's when we're weak that we are strong. We sang that today. Everything's upside down. And where the world says, get back at that individual, where the world says, hit back or strike back or steal back or take back, Jesus says, forgive. We're being called to a deeper level of discipleship. Do you want to take the journey? Do you want to be a citizen of of God's kingdom? That's what he's calling us to. But I find this one very challenging. Now, we can assume that the servant was not a regular household servant. He probably worked for the king, probably collecting taxes. But the figure that is given here, the figure that is given is impossible to collect. It's impossible to collect. Uh, One commentator says, uh, the amount that the servant owed exceeds all taxes for Syria, Phoenicia, Judea, and Samaria. He could not possibly, possibly pay this back. So the king has the right to throw that person into jail along with their women and children and sell them into slavery. That's the right that that the king has. And there's no way he could ever pay this back. And yet we read that the servant pleads and He forgives him. He forgives him all his debt and sends him on his way. Forgiven, he's been set free. God has forgiven us. His grace is abundant and overflowing for all that God has done for us. So the servant goes out, maybe just a few hundred yards. Who knows how far he walked out. He finds another servant that owes him a hundred denarii. Now, that, er, that would have been equivalent to... Excuse me. That would have been equivalent to a hundred days' wages. That can be calculated. It's a significant amount. There's no dismissing that. It is a significant amount. About a hundred days' wages he owed. And he said, you know, just give me some time. He pleaded in the same way. And he says, he says, no. And he throws him into debtor's prison. And once he's in prison, he will never be able to pay back the debt. And actually, from debtor's prison, this servant could have sold the other servant... And made his money back. He could have sold his wife and his children to get the money back. And Jesus is calling us to a deeper discipleship here, and saying, Don't live in such a way. If you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, I'm calling you to a deeper discipleship. You are a citizen of God's kingdom. You have been forgiven much, and you must also forgive. Did you notice how not forgiving can change a person? I I caught this. I've read this parable many times, but I caught it in my my studies this week. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him. Pay me what you owe me. It's as if he became evil. wanted to kill him throw them in because I don't care about you, I don't care about your wife, I don't care about your children, I just want my money. And if we don't forgive, there is this pain that locks in, grabs a hold, and it changes us, it takes control of our life, it takes control of our circumstances, and I've met people that are in a lot of pain because they haven't forgiven someone for something that happened a long time ago. Jesus is calling us to a deeper level of discipleship. And when we hear this parable, if you will, about we must forgive, we say, Lord, Jesus, really? I mean, I want to be a citizen of your kingdom, but come on, really? You really want me to forgive what that individual has done for me to me? You really want me to forgive? What, what that person took from me? You really want me to forgive how that person hurt my family or hurt my brother or sister or mother? You really want me to forgive them? Then, Jesus, I don't want any part of But notice again, even though the fellow servant fell down and pleaded for mercy, he still grabbed him around the neck and choked him. It was as if he was still captive. He was not thrown in the debtor's prison, but as if he was still captive because he could not forgive. He he had something growing in him or stirring with him that that was not of God. And I recognize it's easy for me to stand up here this morning and say you really need to forgive. Jesus wants you to forgive. You've heard that. You should forgive others because Jesus has forgiven you. This summer, I picked up a book that um, I hadn't read in a long time. I I was at a camp meeting, and they were they were giving away all these books. The pastors brought their books and were giving them away, and uh, um, you could take any any of them that you wanted. and and I said, "Well, what are you doing with them when you don't uh, when if no one wants them? Because it was like the last day of the camp. Said, "Oh, we're just going to burn them at the bonfire tonight." I said, "I'll take them all." My goodness, so. I think I said, you know, the ENC library takes donations. Oh, we didn't know that. So hopefully, the library received a generous donation recently. But they were older books, and I think sometimes we think of a book printed in—I know the olden days for you is like '92, but uh, I know when we think a book printed in the '60s or '70s is, and '80s is just out of you know, well, that story's old. And, and I picked up a book by Corey Ten Tenboon, and if you're not familiar with Cory Tenboon's story, uh, you really should read a book called *The Hiding Place*. It's a, it's a fascinating. Um, story um, about a family, Corrie Ten Boone and her family, her father and sister in Holland who uh, hid Jews um, uh, during the war to keep them safe and protected and they created hiding places in their home to protect them. Uh, the German uh, government obviously eventually found out and she and her family were taken to a federal penitentiary in Holland, uh, then to Ravensbrück concentration camp in Nazi Germany. And I picked up the book and was thrilled to read it again. Um, and so I've been reading different things by her, not because she has one of the most beautiful names in all the world. Uh, her name's Corey. I'll give you a few seconds. Go ahead. Um, it's just a beautiful story that I almost forgot. Like, it was one of those just books I just needed to come back to. And then I've been reading different devotional devotions of hers that I've picked up. And uh, this one, uh, as I was thinking about that this morning, I, I saw that I still had one of, another book on my bookshelf here at the office in the hiding place uh, I have back at the house. And This one's called, He Sets the Captive Free. And she shares a little story um, about forgiveness that I'd like to share with you. It's, it's very brief. Uh, the title of her little devotional here is, Forgiveness Possible. Do you know how it feels when your heart is full of hatred, We were working in an area where wrecked airplanes were piled together. We had to gather the many pieces and load them onto big trucks. It was terribly heavy work for us. My sister Betsy was a very frail woman and she could not lift much, but she did her utmost. Suddenly one of the guards noticed that Betsy was picking up only the little pieces because the big pieces were too heavy for her. Betsy said kindly to her, Don't give me more to do than I'm trying to do already because I'm not strong enough to lift these heavy parts the woman guard said you don't decide what you do I decide suddenly the guard started to brutally beat Betsy I have never been so enraged the other prisoners held me back so I could not grab the guard when she had gone I ran to Betsy who had blood all over her face she said no don't hate Corey you must love and forgive I cannot I am not able If there is hate in your heart, you cannot forgive. I knew this, and I also knew what Jesus had said. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your trespasses. After we were back in our barracks, I climbed out of the window and went for a little walk alone, and I talked with the Lord. I said, Lord, I cannot forgive that brutal woman. It is more difficult to forgive when people you love suffer than when you suffer yourself. Then the Lord reminded me of a text I had my little Bible hidden under my dress. I opened it and read it. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. Suddenly I saw that what I was not able to do, the Lord in me was able to do. I said, O oh Lord, I thank you for Romans 5.5. 5. I thank you, Jesus, that you brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that your love in me is stronger than my hatred. At that moment when I was able to forgive, my hatred disappeared. What a liberation. Forgiveness is the key which unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It is a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. What a liberation it is when you can forgive. Here again, we see that we are not a a wilderness, but a garden of the Lord. When we give our lives to Jesus, He does the job. I share that story because I think Corey's testimony can really testify to the fact of just how powerful God's love working in you can be. And that for God to call you to live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is not to make your life more difficult, it's to set you free to set you free. To live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is to be set free. Let me give one more example, maybe closer to home for you. A great speaker... A great speaker in this very chapel said... Even though my circumstances didn't change, God's love changed me. No longer battling anger toward my father, because my heavenly father and church family love and support me. but Psalm's quote will soon be on my Facebook. The power of God's love in us can help us to forgive. Maybe some of us have left the church because we've been hurt by what happened in a church community. Not all churches are like this perfect, beautiful church where everyone is beautiful and wonderful and forgiving and loving. I know there are some pains along the way. But have you forgiven the pain that you may have experienced in the church? I fully recognize and understand that forgiveness, and I hope you do. I guess this is an important point I want to make. I understand and I hope you understand that often for many of us, forgiveness is a journey. It will not happen in a moment for many of us. If you read the rest of Corey's writings or even after she Uh, after the war and she traveled the world sharing her testimony and story. She has an incredible testimony about sharing it in a small church basement with 30 30 church members. And it was in Germany. It was her first time back to Germany and wouldn't you know one of the prison guards, one of the most brutal prison guards that she had experienced came up, reached out his hand and asked for forgiveness. It's a powerful story in that moment. Forgiveness is a journey. And Jesus is calling us to deeper discipleship to live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And he's calling you to this journey of freedom. I promise it's because he wants to set you free. I promise it's not because he wants to make your life difficult or more challenging or to justify what the other person... I'm not asking you to justify what anyone has done to hurt you or harm you, but Jesus wants, you to, set, wants to set you free from the pain that they have caused. you. So in closing this morning, we're just going to go to the Lord in prayer. We will end on time today. <laughs> which we haven't been doing in the last few weeks. Thank you to the faculty for your, your grace and patience. But I'm just going to ask for you to bow your heads in prayer. And I'm going to ask some of you, I don't know your stories, all of you, I don't know. I'm not thinking of anyone specifically. This has not come from any counseling session I had or any conversation. I just know enough about life to know that there are people in this sanctuary that have been hurt by family members, that have been hurt by parents or siblings. I know there are people in the sanctuary that have hurt by friends or their church. I just know that that's that's the situation, I'm sure. And I want to challenge you to take a step on the journey of forgiveness. I want to challenge you to begin that journey of forgiveness. And we are here to journey with you here at Eastern Nazarene College. And that's why we have things like the Brickley Counseling Center. And that's why we have Christian professors that you can go to. And they'll, they'll direct you to people if you need to be directed somewhere. And they will pray with you. That is why we are here to journey with you. If you would ever begin this journey of forgiveness, I plead that you take it now. That you start now while you are here in this Christian community. We will journey with you. So now, in a silence beyond words, I challenge you to take that step. You may not be able to say, Lord, I forgive that person, but you can say, Lord, will you help me to begin to forgive what they have done to me? I promise it's only because the Lord wants to set you free. Yes, it is a deeper level of discipleship. Yes, it does come at a cost and a price. And yes, it is challenging, but it is freely christ Jesus. Lord, hear the prayers of our hearts from this sanctuary this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you took that step to say, Lord, help me to forgive that person or that church or that community. If you have begun that journey, would you just raise your hand this morning? Thank you. Please hear me. We're here to journey with you. Faculty, Brickley Counseling Center, Chap, we are here for you. You do not journey alone. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. May we be a community that journeys together where no one is left behind be glorified in all that we do, and may we be citizens of the kingdom that glorify you in every word, thought, and deed. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You are forgiven. Go and forgive. Go in peace. You are dismissed.